Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace. Welcome, everybody, watching online. Thanks for being with us as well. Hope that you're having a great weekend. That Grace race is going to be a blast. I just realized that there was a one-mile option. I, I always ran the 5K, and now there's one mile, and that's what I'm doing. My, I'm one rep Jeff, man. If I can, if I can take the shortcut, I'm totally in on that. In fact, I'll pay you to run the mile for me, and we'll just, we'll just call it even. So it's a blast. I hope that you're a part of that. Uh, we have been in a series here the last few weeks where we've been talking about <clears throat> the, the events and the things that are happening around the resurrection of Jesus. So a few weeks ago, we talked about the triumphal entry, which is kind of the first day of the last week of Jesus's life before he's crucified and resurrected. So in that triumphal entry is what we call it when Jesus came into Jerusalem and there were palm branches. He's kind of a, a rock star moment. And the Bible says, everybody's asking the question, who is this? The Bible says the whole city stirred and we're saying, who is this? Who is this guy? What am I supposed to do with him? How do I kind of interpret him? And so we asked that question and kind of dissected the crowd a little bit and tried to figure that out in a way that applies to, to us today. And then, uh, you know, a week or so ago was Holy Week. And so we started there and then we went into here at Grace, into our communion services and the times where we remember Jesus' death, that's the point of communion, that we remember who Christ is and what he did and how much he loved us, how he suffered for us. So we went through those and we, we washed each other's feet like Jesus did in the upper room and broke the bread and took the, the, the cup and remembered his broken body and his shed blood through that time period. And then last weekend, uh, we focused in on the resurrection, right? That he, he is the risen Savior. And we looked at what the Apostle Paul said. He said, that here's the, he, he goes, this is the foundation of it all. The things of, are, are of first importance. That Christ died, he was buried, and he rose again in three days, right? So we've been kind of looking at and saying, asking that question, who, the, a couple weeks ago, the triumphal entry, who is this, right? And then we're asking ourselves, are we looking and saying, that's the Son of God? And then what, what's he like? Why did he show up here? Well, his death, his suffering, he loves us. He, he's like a hero who laid his life down. He willingly, by his own authority, laid his life down, and by his own authority took it up again, Jesus said of himself. And then how do we interpret it all? And we said, well, the resurrection is what delineates Jesus from other world leaders, that he, he's not just a moral force. He's not just a great role model. He is the risen son of God. The, we call it the bodily resurrection is the fancy word for it. So it wasn't his idea. It wasn't his teachings or just his spirit that rose again and lived on, but Jesus physically, the creator of the laws of nature, suspended those laws, overcame death, defeated sin, and rose again for, for all of us. And so we've just been in that conversation, and if you want <clears throat> to listen to it or dive back into those conversations again, uh, our website, graceohio.org, they're all there, or even a better option is the app. You can download the Grace Church app. Uh, you can take notes on that app and send them to yourself. You can, you can read the scripture on that app. You can find out what's going on at Grace and that app. You can ask that app any of life's mysteries, and it will answer you in my voice. You have to say, Jeff, and it will just activate. And, but take advantage of that, and, and all that's there, and you can, you can listen to it, okay? So this, this weekend, what I want to do is I want to talk about something 
that happened kind of in the middle of all that. If you have the triumphal entry, the suffering and the death of Jesus and the resurrection, in the middle of all that, there's a fascinating interaction between Jesus and one of Jesus' best friends and, and biggest disciples, a guy named Peter, all right? So in the middle of all that, before Jesus is turned over and tried and beaten and all that kind of stuff, they have what's called the Last Supper, right? Where at the Last Supper, we have the First Communion. It's in John 13. And at the Last Supper, Jesus washed the feet and broke the bread and all that kind of stuff. But he also had a conversation with Peter there, and, and Jesus is talking to all the disciples. He says, hey, he says, one of you is going to betray me. And nobody knew who yet. Nobody knew what Judas was going to do, right? So the, the disciples are in the moment. And so he says that Peter hears it, and he says, well, not me, not me. Like, I love you. I will never betray you. I will die for you. That's what I'm willing to do. And Jesus said to Peter, he goes, listen, buddy, he goes, I, I appreciate all that, but you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. So in, in the middle of the night, you're going to deny me three times before the sun comes up. And Peter's like, oh, I'm never going to do that. And, and Jesus is like, okay, just letting you know ahead of time what's, what's going on. Okay, then they, after that dinner, they go to the garden. Jesus is arrested. Peter pulls a sword, cuts a guy's ear off. Jesus is like, calm down, Peter. Here's your ear back. Puts the ear back on the guy. And then Jesus is taken to trial. So think about kind of that those hours that Jesus is before Pilate, he's being beaten, the crown of thorns, he's being mocked, he's been taken to the cross. As that's happening, simultaneously, Peter is at a different part of the city. Because everybody freaked out, right? Because they're going to they're gonna kill Jesus and all the disciples are scared. So Peter was too. He's at another part of a city, he's kind of sitting around this fire. And as he's standing there, somebody looks at him and says, hey, aren't you one of the disciples? And Peter was like, uh, no, what's a disciple? I don't even know what you're talking about, right? And, and, and they're, they're like, aren't you? And he's like, no, I'm not. That was denial number one, okay? Then this little girl comes up and she says, you're, I know you're one of the disciples. And he's like, I, you don't, little foolish child, I don't know what you're talking about, right? I am not one of the disciples, denial number two. And then somebody else looks at it and says, hey, you're one of the Galileans, I can tell by your accent, you're one of the disciples. And Peter, the Bible says, he, he calls a curse down, or basically we would say it like this. He would say, like, I swear, I don't know who you're talking about. I am not one of the disciples. And after he did that, the rooster crowed, right? And Peter was like, oh, man, he denied Jesus three times, right? The crucifixion, the resurrection, Peter and John run to the tomb. Peter go, John beat him there. Peter runs in first. Jesus now is resurrected. He goes to the upper room where the disciples are. The Bible says he appears to the disciples, to the 11. He appears to his brother James. He appears to more than 500 people. And so Peter now has seen him crucified, been in the tomb. The body's not there. Interacted with the resurrected Jesus. Saw his hands, saw his feet, saw his side. Okay, so all that has happened now, think of it as a, a few days later, right? After the resurrection, now we're going to catch up with the Bible where Peter and Jesus are going to interact with each other. They've never talked about this denial thing. So Peter, so relieved and so thrilled that Jesus has risen again from the dead, but he's got in the back of his mind like, oh man, I, I 
I totally blew it, right? At the, at the moment I choked, Jesus knows he's feeling that, and they have yet to interact about these things, okay? So let's catch this conversation. In the book of John, you can open up there in your Bibles, chapter 21, it's page 757 in the Bibles that are in your chairs, or if you want to use the app, uh, you can use the app and everything is right there. And we're going to look at verse 15, page 757, John chapter 21. So the disciples have been out fishing. This is after the resurrection. Jesus made them breakfast, and they come in, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, remember he denied him three times. Now Jesus is going to ask him three questions, okay? It's the same question again and again. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Son of John, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your business? Do you love me more than fishing? Do you love me more than the average person? Do you love me more than these? Right? Question number one. Peter answered, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. You know that I have a great and a deep affection for you. I, I love you. Right? I, I blew it. I choked. But I love you. Jesus said, then, then feed my lambs. If you love me, Peter, then, then do what I would do and disciple people and teach them my heart and my mind and show people all about me. Feed my lambs, right? And, and verse 16, and Jesus asked him again, second time, second question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Uh, Peter, are you, are you devoted to me? Do you I know you love me deeply. Are you devoted to me? Are you, do you have that kind of, a, of affection for me? And Peter answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I am devoted. You know that I'm devoted to you. I, you, know, you know that that's what I'm like. And Jesus said, okay, then take care of my sheep. Defend those that I love. Protect those that I love. Serve those who I love. Live your life for them. And then the third time, three denials, three questions. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? You have a deep passion for me and you're deeply devoted. Are you, are you 100% all in on this, Peter? And it's fascinating what the Bible says. Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him for the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know, God, read my mind, read my mind. You know my heart, right? You, you, you know the, the depths of a, of a man's heart. I love you. I choked. I blew it. I'm sick about it. I never want to go back there again. I love you with the deepest affection. You're more than a friend to me. You're, you're a brother to me. I'm devoted to you, right? When I look at you walking into Jerusalem, I look and say, there's the Son of God. When, when I saw you suffer... I saw the depth of your love, and then I, I was, I, you rose again from the dead. You are my living Savior. You know that I love you. You know all things. And it's fascinating what Jesus said then. <clears throat> he said, then feed my sheep, verse 18. He says, very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted to go. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter will glorify God. And then he said, follow me. So there's this fascinating interaction. Peter just like wiped out, defeated, right? 
You love me? Yes. Do you, you, you mean it? Yeah, you love me? I, I totally believe it. You're a God. Do you love me? I am in Son of God who loves me and the risen Lord and Savior. I am totally devoted to you. All right. All right, Peter. <clears throat> Do you know that's going to cost you your life? When you were young, you went and did whatever you wanted to do, but when, let me tell you how you're going to die. Somebody else is going to dress you. They're going to put a, maybe a, a robe on you to mock like you're the king of kings. And there may be a crown of thorns on your head, and you're going to strike. You're going to be crucified, Peter. In fact, he was. Peter was crucified, but church, the church history tells us he was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy to die in the same manner that Jesus did. He's like, this, this is, are you all in? I'm all in. Okay. It's going to cost you everything, right? Uh, and, and you're going to even give your life. Peter, you love me? Yeah, feed my lambs. Peter, you love me? Yeah, feed my sheep. Peter, you love me? Feed my lambs. Peter, if you love me and you're all in, then come follow me. And following me means that you put everything on the table and you come after me. Following me means that you love who I love and you live for what I live for. I, I live for my sheep, my lambs. I love my sheep, my lambs. If you are saying you're all devoted and that's what it means to you, that I'm, I am triumphal entry, I'm the son of God, I'm motivated by love, and I'm the risen Lord, if you're in on that, right, then love who I love and live for what I live for and let's go. Come and follow me. Now, it, it's fascinating. <clears throat> if, if, if you are a person who is investigating the claims of Jesus, and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm trying to decide, like, if I want to sign up for this Christian thing and Christ-following thing, that's great. If you're a person who recently did, a bunch of us have done that. We're kind of new to this here at Grace. And you're like, I'm, I believe, I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. Son of God, Jesus loves me, risen Lord, right? So I believe that, right? Or even those of us who've been doing this for a while, if you were to ask me, what does it mean to follow Jesus? Like Jesus says, follow me, says a few places. <clears throat> what, what does that mean I would take you to this passage or, or a passage like this. And this would be one of them. And I would say, well, this is what it means to follow Jesus. That when he's asking Peter these questions, are you, do you, you, you have a deep affection? Yes. Do you have a total devotion? Yes. Are you willing to give your life for me? To love who I love and to live for what I live for? Yes or no? Yes, all right, then come follow me, right? So a follower of Jesus is not a churchgoer. So church is great, right? Watching things, you know, watching the, the live stream is great. It's all good. God says we should go to church, but the reasons why we do it, so it's not a churchgoer, it's not a religious thing, like I'm a Christian instead of a Hindu, a Muslim, a Buddhist kind of a thing. So that's not what it means to follow God. It's not just cleaning your life up. Like I don't smoke, drink, chew, date girls who do, cheer for Michigan kind of a thing. You know, I try not to be Captain F-bomb anymore. Like it's not just that. It's loving who God loves and living for who Christ lives for. And if you're committing to that, then come follow me. Now, 
a fair question is, well, who does God love and who does Jesus love and who does he live for, right? So thankfully, this is pretty clear in the Bible. So the Bible is pretty clear about who Christ loves and who, who he lives for. So there's three people that, that Jesus says, or three things that Jesus says kind of specifically that he loves. One is his father. So Jesus would say, I love my father. I love the father God. And I love him. I am one with him. I have affection for him. He loves me. And so I, I, I love him. The, another thing that Jesus loves, the Bible says, is the church. So one of the metaphors that the Bible uses for the church is the Bible says that uh, says we're the bride of Christ. So true followers of God are the called out ones. That's what the word church, ecclesia, it's a Greek word. It means called out ones. And we're the church. And the Bible says Jesus has a deep affection for his church. He started the church. He invented the church. The reason we run the church is because it's what the Bible, how the Bible says to do it. We didn't make that stuff up. So that was all Jesus. So if you're a part of the church, he has a deep affection for you. And then the other group that Jesus loves is what the Bible calls the world or a lost people, people who don't yet know that the guy on riding into Jerusalem is the son of God, that God's not out to get you, he loves you, and that Christ is a risen savior, not just a great moral leader. So the Bible would say people who don't know that yet, Bible word, are lost. And Jesus, one of the things Jesus says he came to do was to seek and to save the lost. He loves people who don't know about him yet. So, so he's saying to Peter, you know, follow me, you all in on this? Yeah, okay, then love who I love. I love my father. Love who I love. I love my, my bride, the church. Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. And I love lost. So, so love them and reach them. Okay, so that's who he loves. Now, who does Jesus live for? Well, it's the same list. So I live to do the will of my Father. The Bible says in Philippians, he was obedient to death, even to death on the cross. So it was the Father's will that his only son would lay his life down. So Jesus is like, I, I, that's what I live for. That's what I do, right? My father's will. I live for my bride. So I live to empower and to expand my bride. We call it building the kingdom of God. I live for my bride. And, and then I live for the lost. The, the, the primary purpose of Jesus coming was to do his father's will to birth the church and to make a way of escape for lost people so we could have forgiveness of our sins. So he's saying to Peter, listen, if you're, if you're in, if you're totally devoted, if you're totally affectionate, if you're like sold out because you look and say, I'm the son of God, I love, love you enough to lay my life down for you, and, and I died, buried, and rose again. You're in on that, right? You know I'm in on that, Lord. Okay, come follow me. It's going to take your life and you're going to die to yourself and you're going to give your life to the glory of my Father, to, to my cause, the church, and to the lost. Are you in on that? Will you come and follow me? Right? So Jesus defines pretty clearly, this is one of the places, other places too, but he defines pretty clearly what it means to follow him and what he's calling people to. Now, there are massive implications of that, right? So when I think about, am I a follower of Jesus, or maybe I say that I am, or maybe I'm thinking, do I want to be, like understanding what Jesus is saying to Peter is like a big, big deal, because 
if all of that is true, if that's the math, and then that's the invitation, well, that, that's going to show up in really tangible ways in our lives because there will be enormous implications and ramifications of that. And thankfully, the Apostle Peter, the guy having this conversation with Jesus, thankfully, he explains these a little bit to us, right? So Peter wrote a couple of letters, and, and we call them First Peter and Second Peter. We weren't real creative with labeling things in the Bible. So the first letter he wrote is First Peter. The second letter he wrote is Second Peter, right? So in the book of First Peter, Peter walks people through. He's writing these letters to people who signed up to be Christ followers. And then those who were kind of hearing it, who were probably thinking about being Christ followers, and he explains the ramifications of what it means to follow Jesus. So flip to the right in your Bible to page 850, about 100 pages or so to the right, and you will come eventually across the book of First Peter, okay? Page 850, and in the book of First Peter chapter 1, he walks us through this a little bit. I want to camp on this and dig into it a little bit so that we can understand what we signed up for, what we're thinking about signing up for, and what the implications of that would be in our lives. Okay, so 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, we'll start there. Peter says this, Therefore, with hearts that are alert and fully sober, so knowing full well what you're getting yourself into, or what you have gotten yourself into, right? So with, with, with minds that are, are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. And then he digs into it. He says, so this is, this is what it's going to look like, okay? Verse 14, he says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Now let's pause here for a second, okay? So if I'm going to follow Christ, I'm going to be a Christ follower, Right, so that then I would become an obedient child, right? So as obedient children, people who want to follow Jesus, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And let's talk about this before. So what Peter's saying is this. Before you knew about Jesus, you lived in ignorance, right? So that we were lost is the word that the Bible would use for it. So there was a time, in fact, this is true of all, everybody, right? There was a time that when I looked at Jesus walking in, in the tri- or riding in on the triumphal entry, and I would say, who is this? And I didn't have an answer for it, right? So I have not yet set, said that's the Son of God. Uh, there, there was a time when maybe I didn't even know Jesus laid down his life. Maybe I just thought he was like a political radical that got executed. I didn't know he did that by his own authority, right? And then there was a time... Before I knew about Jesus, I, I, everybody knows that Jesus existed historically. Nobody argues that. But I didn't know he was God. I thought he was like one of the great leaders on earth. I didn't know he was God. So the Bible calls that ignorance. Like literally, I didn't know. So the, Peter's saying, listen, uh, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. When you lived in ignorance... What def- before you knew about Christ and what he said and what he thought and what he wanted, what defined and directed your life were your evil desires, right? And, and you had those desires, those godless desires, and that's what drove your life. So you would conform 
to those desires, and that's what motivated your life, right? So let me give you, these are really easy examples, right? So for instance, all, uh, our sex drive, right? The sex drive is a human desire, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an instinct that every one of us has at one level or another, right? So what Peter's saying is this, before you knew about Christ, what you had was this instinct. And this instinct caused you to want to act in sin. It was an evil desire, right? You were just conforming to it. My instinct, my desire is what drove my life, which makes all the sense in the world if you don't know about what God says about our sexuality and about our morality, right? So when you lived in ignorance, if you, if you want to have sex, you had sex. Like, I have this desire. I have this instinct. I'm going to satisfy it. I'm going to satisfy it with porn. I'm going to satisfy it with a hookup. I'm going to satisfy it with anybody that I can satisfy. In fact, it's going to be one of the most defining things in my life, right? I'm going to be looking for sex all the time or be affected by sex all the time because I don't know any better, and Peter's like, yeah, when you lived in ignorance, that's the way it, that it was. Uh, another example of this is materialism, right? I, I want things. I want things. By the way, that's not a North American problem. That's a human issue, right? It's a natural desire. So, so we would look and say, yeah, I want things. What I'm going to do is I'm going to conform to that desire and pursue stuff. And the pursuit of stuff is going to define my life. What, what I want, what the culture says is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pursue that stuff. So we're taught that in our culture, right? It's normal. Uh, I'm going to graduate from high school. Why? So I can go to college. Why? Well, so I can get in grad school. Why? So I can get a good job. Why? So I can live the way that I want to live, right? Why, why do all that kind of stuff? So I can feed this desire. An, another human desire is, is power or achievement. I'm going to do all that kind of stuff and get a great job. Why? So I can move up the ladder. Well, why do you want to move up the ladder? So I can be the boss. Why? Because I want to be a partner. Why? What are you achieving? Well, I want to I be the master of my own destiny. All right. Okay, that, that's it. And, and, and Peter's saying, before you knew about Christ, those were kind of the options on the table, and the only thing that you would have known to do that I would have known to do, because I didn't know there was something else that I could give my life to. So all that makes sense if there's not a greater value system that Christ would import, those things would define and direct my life. So Peter's saying, if you signed up to follow Christ, that's the son of God, he loves me, he died for me, he rose again, it's God. If you signed up to follow Christ, don't conform to those things anymore. Those things are not the definers and the directors of your life, right? Now, what is? So he goes on and he says this, but... Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it's written, be holy because I am holy, right? So, so what should define me? Peter says, well, what should define you is holiness, so be holy in all you do, for it's written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because Jesus, 
I is writing it, Jesus is saying it, be holy because Jesus is holy. Now, instead of being conformed to the evil desires of the, of the, the world, I'm going to pursue holiness like Jesus was holy. Now, what is holiness, okay? Holiness means this. Something is holy when it is set apart for God's use and God's purpose. Something is holy when it's set apart for God's use and God's purpose. Jesus was holy. He was set apart for the Father's use and the Father's purpose. See how that works? I, I'm, Jesus, you, God, use me. I'll go to earth, be born of a virgin, live that life for your purpose to provide a way of escape and salvation for the people around me, right? So when we think of holiness, it's for God's use and God's purpose. Now, this is what happens sometimes. If you're familiar with this term, usually when we think of being holy or pursuing holiness, we think about it in a subtraction model, right? So I don't do that because I want to be holy. I stopped doing that because I want to be holy, right? I stopped, you know, just think about money, sex, and power. I stopped sleeping around because I want to be holy. I stopped being, I am not, I did not buy the new hood ornament because I want to be holy with my money, right? I, I, I do not let people know how amazing I am because I want to be humble. I want to be holy. We usually think about holiness in a subtraction model. It's the wrong way to think about holiness. That will lead to self-righteousness and to legalism. Holiness is not a subtraction idea. Holiness is a instead of idea. Instead of, ready? Instead of thinking of my body as mine, and my body has impulses, using our easy examples, sexual impulses. So I'm going to take my body, I have a sex drive, I'm going to satisfy that sex drive. That's the purpose of that drive in me, to go satisfy it. I'm going to think of my body as holy. My body is set apart for God's use and God's purpose. God, where do you want to take my body? You want me to go to Africa and be a missionary? You want me to go to South America and be a missionary? You want me to go to the den of all iniquity? You want me to move to Michigan and be a missionary? Is that what you want? You, you, my body is yours. Put me where you want me to be, and I will give myself to your purpose to proclaim the, the gospel of Jesus Christ in a relationship. God, my body is yours with my girlfriend. My body is yours with my boyfriend. My body is yours. What do you want me to do with my sex drive that you placed in my body? Oh, you want me to express love. So that love is patient, kind, not selfish. You want me to use my body to bring purity into my dating relationship and reserve our sex drives for each other in marriage. See how that works? It's not a, not a subtraction, it's an instead of, God, what do you want me to do with, with my body financially? You gave me all these skills and this amazing mind, and I, I'm a, you know, I have the ability to male model, which I did professionally, by the way. 
once. So, so it's like true story. But like, what do you, what do you want me to do with my body? Oh, use it for your glory. How do I take my mind, my abilities, my athletic skills, my musical abilities, fill in your blank, and proclaim your gospel with it? Power. God, you have given me influence. When I physically show up, people attach that influence to me. How would you have me use that influence? See how that works? It's not a subtraction. It's instead of. So Peter's walking us through this. He's like, you guys signed up to follow Jesus, right? That's the son of God. He loves us. He rose again from the dead. I agree with you. You love me? Yep. You devoted to me? Yep. You all in? Yep. What's it look like? Well, as obedient children, I don't conform to these instincts and desires. Instead, I pursue holiness like Christ did. Christ set himself apart to be used by God for his purpose. I want that to play out in my own life as well. And then he goes on, he says something really, really fascinating here. He says this in verse 17. He says, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. It's fascinating. So you call on God, no longer conforming, bought into holiness, and then this is what it's going to look like. Live out your time. You could take that word time out and put in the word life. Live out your time. Live out your life. This is what Jesus did. He lived his life, right, as foreigners here in reverent fear. Foreigners is a fascinating concept. So Jesus lived as a foreigner. He never thought of the earth as his permanent home. He had time on the planet. He set himself apart, right, to be used by God for his purpose while he had that time on the planet. But he, he knew he was going to return home to his father. So, so Peter says, hey, if you want to follow Jesus, if you signed up for that, then you, you live your life, you live out your time as a foreigner here. Now, let's talk about this idea of foreigner because it's really fascinating. A foreigner is a person who does not call the culture they currently live in home. That's what a foreigner is. They do not call the culture they currently live in home. So the culture is going to be weird to them because they are the foreigner, right? So when I'm a foreigner, when I live in a culture, that culture doesn't make sense to me completely because that culture is going to have a different set of values than what I would have, than my home culture would be. So as a Christ follower set apart to be used by God, I might look at the culture that I live in right now and say, that's weird. They value sex. They value materialism, wealth. They value power differently than me. Like, I don't value, I value sex inside of my marriage as a oneness and picture of Christ. I don't, I don't value it like a hookup. I don't value wealth the same. Like, like they, they value wealth and they, they live for it. I, I think of wealth completely differently. I think of it as a tool, not as a arrival point. Power, I, I value influence. I want to influence 
by being the least, by serving. They, they want to influence by lording over, Bible word, being in charge of everything, right? The, the vocabulary is going to be different. So I'm a foreigner. So when I'm a foreigner, you're going to use a word in your culture that has a different meaning in my culture. It happens all the time when you cross cultures, so as someone, I'm set apart to, for God. So for instance, you're going to use the word love. What you mean by love is usually something sexual is tied to it. And then the other thing you mean is, I love you if I accept whatever you think and whatever you want. When I, when I download the word love, I think of it as completely differently. When I download the word love, I think of it as a selflessness and a purity, right? So it, we do, it like doesn't interchange, right? I would look at things completely different. Now, let me double click on this for a second. There, there's a huge difference between being a foreigner and something being foreign. So there's a huge difference between me being a foreigner and something being foreign. I was talking to a lady last week. I won't say her name. I don't want to, but it's my sister Sharon. And we were we were talking about uh, we were talking about a trip that she and her husband took to to Europe and uh, on vacation. So she was telling me all about it. They went to uh, Germany, and she's telling me all about how it was neat and stuff. So it was fun sitting and visiting. And she said something funny. She said, "You know, we we went to take a train." And they were on strike. And so the trains weren't running. So we had to try to rent a car. And that didn't work. So we had, we had to like hire a taxi. And she goes, it was so frustrating because everybody was speaking a foreign language. And I, I laughed at her. I said, they were speaking a foreign language. She's like, yeah, everybody was speaking a foreign language. I didn't know what was going on. I said, so German speaking German in Germany is a foreign language. She's like, right. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, Germans are supposed to speak German in Germany. You're the foreigner. And she laughed, and then she smacked me, which kind of defines our relationship over the years. And so just teasing. I'm always the little brother, you know, just teasing her. And, and so it's like, yeah, German speaking German in Germany is not foreign. What's foreign is you. You're the foreigner. And, and when you're a foreigner, you're supposed to stick out like a sore thumb because you don't get the culture, you don't know the language, you don't share the same values. Now, this is where this becomes a difficult teaching. You ready? Here it is. When my values, when I'm a Christ follower, signed up, all in, love me, yep, devoted, yep, ready to, to death, yep. When my values are exactly the same as people who live in ignorance. See, when, when my financial goals are exactly the same as everybody else's, when my, when my financial practices are exactly the same, Joe, if I give the charity, everybody gives the charity. When I think of my wealth exactly the same as everybody else does, it's not because they are foreign. It's because I am not a foreigner. I am not holy. When my morality, when my sexual 
practices are exactly the same, right? I'm a Christ follower, but I'm sleeping with you outside of marriage, and pornography is a predominant part of my life, and I think and joke, when it's exactly the same, the problem is not that Germans speak German in Germany. The problem is I am not a foreigner, and I'm not a foreigner because I'm not holy, set apart, instead of. When my goals, I guess I graduated from high school, why to go to college, why to get a grad school, why to get a good job, why to climb the ladder, why, why, why? Where, do, where does it lead? When my goals are exactly the same, the problem is not, there's nothing wrong or abnormal with our culture. If I fit into it, what is out of step is me with Christ. Because Christ followers are going to be weird. Not because we have bad hair and wear terrible t-shirts and listen to lame music. We're going to be weird because we, I don't know, man, earthly stuff doesn't motivate me. I'm, I'm heavenly minded. I, I care about eternal stuff. I don't know, hobnobbing and networking, I, I mean, I care about that guy's soul, so I guess if I lose the deal, I lose the, I don't know, I mean, I, I love playing sports, but I'm not going to like, I'd rather be a good sportsman than, than a jerk who's braggadocious every time I score a goal, because I care about, my, my body is for Christ and his purposes, see, I, 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 I you know, it's all great. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I'm doing well financially, but I, you know, I, I appreciate you give the charity. It's, it's phenomenal, but I, I actually what was, I know it's weird what I do, but I actually believe I'm laying up treasures in heaven. That's why we, we spend our money this way. See how it works? So the problem isn't that Germans speak German in Germany. The problem is that I don't pursue holiness, that I don't stick out, not because I'm a jerk or arrogant or for my politics, but like Jesus did. He, he was weird because of who he loved and who he lived for. Peter finishes his thoughts with this, he says this in verse 18. He says, for you know it's not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. It's a fascinating thing he writes here. He goes, guys, you remember, right? It's not perishable things, earthly stuff. It's not church. It's not the size of your check in the basket. It's not don't smoke, don't smoke, drink, chew, date girls who do. You know, it's not like earthly things that you're redeemed from this empty way of life. What is this empty way of life passed down to you from your ancestors? It, th this is the same for every culture ever, ours too. The empty way of life is a life that is defined by my evil desires. It's a life that focuses on me. See, I, you wouldn't believe how many women I slept with. That's great. Any of them love you? 
You won't, you won't believe you know, that I, I am critical in my company. That, that's phenomenal. Are they going to close it when you retire? Are they actually going to? You won't believe I'm the, I'm the most popular kid in high school. That's phenomenal. You know that, that goes away the minute you get your diploma, right? Now you're the creepy guy that can't get over high school. Like that, that shifts in about a 30-second interaction when you get your diploma. See? You know, I don't, we finally made it. We, we live. We started off in Doylestown. Now we live in Bath. It's great. Congratulations on your tax rate. I hope you enjoy that. Did that actually make your family closer? Do you actually, or do you kind of miss? I got through college, and now I got my career. It's great, and, and you let your lifestyle grow with every race, so you're as broke at 40 as you were at 20. See, it's, a, it's an empty way of life. And Peter says, you guys, you, guys, you, you know it wasn't like start going to church and start throwing money in the basket and quit F-bombing. And you know it wasn't with perishable things that you were redeemed from the empty way of life. Remember what it was? Flip the page. But, but what was it? It was the precious blood. It was the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And Peter's looking and saying, guys, you're, you remember, remember what, what, remember what this cost. I was there. I was there when we, we came into Jerusalem and everybody wondered, and, and I decided in my heart that was the Son of God, and I was there, man, the, the lowest moment of my life. I was there, and by the way, I biffed. I was there when he was falsely accused. I know he was out without blemish or defect because I lived with him. The God, I know he never sinned. I know he was never selfish. I, I know that he never acted on his sex drive. I know that. I saw it. He, he couldn't escape it. And so does his, James grew up with him. His mom was his mom. They, they all think the same thing. And I was there when he died. And I was there when he rose again. And I tell you what, when I remember that it was the precious blood of Christ, that God by his own authority laid his life down and God by his own authority picked it back up again, when we were having breakfast that morning, and Jesus finally taught, we talked about how bad I biffed. And he looked at me in the eyes and said, Peter, are you in on this or not? It's going to cost you your life. I said, yes, yes, yes. All right. Come follow me. Now, when you start doing the math and all of that, it, it gets weighty, right? It gets weighty because the implications of becoming a Christ follower are, are massive. 
you, you, can't, you can't take everything Peter just said and be like, okay, I'll go to church twice a month. It, right? I, 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 you know, okay, I'll make sure I'll get, I put some money in the basket, you know, in December to get my tax. The implications of all of that that I am different, that I live different, that everything in my life is defined and directed on a different level. Now, when you think about that, maybe you're hearing, you know, kind of this stuff for the first time today, or you came last weekend, and it's your second time back, and you're like, I thought this guy was funny. <laughs> this isn't funny at all. He's sexy, I agree, but he's not, yeah. Hey, this is like, this is like a... And so I, I get it, like it's, it's a lot, but it's the deal. It's the deal. This is what being a Christian means. So this is the deal, right? And some of us, some of us, we've been talking about this since January. You assume I know nothing and five assumptions about God. And, you know, this is kind of one big, long conversation. So we've been talking about it for a while and, and, and you've been mauling it through. And I'm saying that if you were going to bottom line it, this is the deal. Follow me. Am I God? The risen Savior, the atoning sacrifice. Remember all those conversations? This is the deal. Right? So it shows up with us, and, and then we kind of have to rectify these implications in our own life. So for me, right, personally, What's it mean to love who he loves and live for what he lives for? What's it mean to love and live for the Father? What's that mean? That my life was given to me by God who loves me and the purpose of my life is to bring him glory and fame. What's that mean? Like in real terms. Not in like, yeah, I, I feel deeply about that, but are you devoted to it? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty devoted to that. Will you die for it? So what would that mean? What, what's it mean to love who and live for the church, the, the cause of Christ, right? To, to discover my gifts and bring them to the body. What's that mean? To bring my tithes to the warehouse of God so they can be invested into the kingdom of God. What's it mean to, to bear one another's burdens, to forgive one another, to rejoice with each other, to mourn with those who mourn? What's that mean? And to do that like Christ did. Jesus, I, I want to glorify you, so if I have to take the pain, if I have to take the cancer, if I have to take the financial wipeout, is, is, as long as I can megaphone for you, if I have to walk with a person who's in the pain, walk with a person. See? And God didn't give the church to the church alone. He gave the church to the world. So what's it mean to not be a consumer to, but to be a missionary in our own culture and world, what's that mean on a personal level? And what's it mean to love who and live for the lost? What's that mean to take the gospel to the ends of the earth? What's it, what's it mean at, at school and on your team and in your, in your dorm and in your house? 
Jesus looked at Peter and said, you, sign, you signing up for that, man? Is that, are you signing up for that? Peter looked and said, I, you're the son of God. You gave your life. You rose again. I'm in. The precious blood of Christ, I am in. It's going to cost you your life, Peter. I'm in. Right? Because of who you are and what you've done and what that means. Okay? This is what I hope we can do. I, I want to take a few minutes, and I really encourage you to be still. The coffee can wait. The bathroom can wait. And there won't be a traffic jam when you leave this weekend, right? So be still. If you're watching at one of the live sites, I encourage you to be still, too, for a few minutes. Put your phone away, right? Put your phone away and just chill for a minute and, and give yourself a little bit of headspace and, and run this question to ground. Do I want to follow Christ? I want to love who he loves and live for what he lives for. Is, is holiness something I want? Am I a foreigner? People actually, would they even know that, right? All those questions. All those questions have very personal and individual answers to them. And so instead of me guessing at it, I, I would love for you to just be with God a little bit. Ask him to show you this. Answer those things in your own mind and in your own heart and make your own decisions. And then think through, I wouldn't do it lightly if I was you. I mean, I wouldn't. Because signing up to die to yourself is no, it's a big deal. But think through. Do I want to, is that the son of God? Does he love me? Did he get up from the dead? And do I want to follow him? All right, so let's chew on it for a little bit. Jesus, help us in these still moments. Or wherever we're at in the world right now, dialing into this conversation, Lord, would you, through your Holy Spirit, pierce into our hearts and minds? What does it mean to follow you in my life? Doubling down on a decision I've already made, locking in for the first time, or maybe hitting that with a renewed passion, Lord, because we, we grow numb, we grow distant. You know that. That's why we're not saved by perfection. We're saved by grace and you, you let Peter come home. Whatever it is, Lord, would you change us? Would you, would you pursue us? Would you empower us to know you, to love who you love, and to live for what you live for? In these moments, Jesus, work in our hearts.